Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free anytime you want it at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. Saxophonist Sonny Simmons is the subject of a documentary in the works. It's called Just a Guy Who Knows, and you can see a trailer of the documentary at justaguywhoknows.com. The two filmmakers who are working on the project are Mike Ercolini and Dan Schofield, and Dan is my guest on the show today, and here is Sonny Simmons. Everybody thought I was dead because he was getting propaganda from America, from other musicians. Oh, Sonny Simmons, he lives on the streets. He plays on the streets. He ain't got nothing. He done OD. People so that they take it with a grain of salt. Some of them believe it because they know artists die tragically, sharply, or they suffer all their lives. They don't get shit. My guest is filmmaker Dan Schofield. He and his filmmaking partner Mike Ercolini are working on a documentary about saxophonist Sonny Simmons called Just a Guy Who Knows. Dan, thanks for coming on to talk about it. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, let's uh, start off just by telling folks who may not be familiar with the name uh, who Sonny Simmons is. Well, Sonny Simmons is um, primarily an alto saxophone player, although he also plays the uh, core anglais, as he likes to refer to it, which is the English horn. He plays a little bit of tenor as well. And um, he's 76. He um, came up in, uh, in Oakland in the 60s, did a couple of um, recordings with Prince Lachey on the contemporary record label, and then in 1963, he moved to New York. Um, after about three months, he was sort of taken under the wing of Coltrane and Sonny Rollins. He did a great uh, recording with Coltrane's rhythm section uh, called Illumination. And he did, um, and not so sure that he did recordings, but he did a lot of work with Mingus and Dolphy. Um, and he sort of apprenticed with uh, Sonny Rollins. He then did a bunch of ESP recordings, and those are sort of the, the high point of his career. Um, Standing on the Watch is, is a great one. Um, he then uh, was on the New York scene for you know throughout the 60s, and then he married Barbara Donald, um, who is a great trumpet player. Barbara Donald, Sonny, Sonny Simmons is African-American. Barbara Donald is a Caucasian woman, and she was a great trumpet player. They met... Um, in the mid-60s, they did a couple of really great recordings together. Among them is Manhattan Egos, fantastic recording. And um, they moved back to the uh, Pacific Northwest, first to San Francisco, 
Um, they ran a club together um, in, certain, in the Bay Area. Then they kept going further north. They eventually landed in Olympia, Washington, and this would have been in the... At this point, it was the mid-'70s. Um, they were playing on and off, although Sonny Simmons uh, stopped playing once they had children, and he was just trying to support them. It, it, towards the 70s, things really started to unravel for him uh, and Barbara Donald, and uh, basically... Part, partly because of the, the horrible racism they experienced as an interracial couple in that area. People really had a hard time in general with the, the concept of an interracial couple, especially two people that were on stage playing this music together, and that really tore them apart. Um, there's a lot of other details that are sort of murky, but at any rate, their marriage fell apart. Sonny was then living, he went back to San Francisco, was living on the streets um, for almost 15 years, uh, addicted to heroin, playing his horn to make a living. And then in the mid-90s, early 90s, Quincy Jones uh, has a had a record label, Quest, which was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. And, you know, of course, there's sort of the resurgence of a lot of jazz greats in the early 90s, and they sought out Sonny and gave him um, contracts through Warner Brothers. And so he put out a number of great albums in the 90s and the early 2000s, and ever since, you know, mid-90s, he's been splendid splitting his time between New York, Paris, and San Francisco. So right now he's living in New York, doesn't play a whole lot, although I just saw him play at the 45th anniversary of ESP Records a couple days ago. And so, Dan, how did you and Mike decide to make a film about Sonny? Well, what happened was, um, I'm actually a um, musician myself. I've, um, I play in a, a group called Shot by Shot and uh, with Bobby Zankel, a couple of other people in Philadelphia and New York, mostly alto. And I teach music lessons to high school kids for a living, but I hadn't studied with anyone myself uh, since music school, college, which was about 10 years ago, I have a good friend who works for a nonprofit organization in New York called the Jazz Foundation, and part of their mandate is to get uh, lessons for sort of elder statesmen of jazz with aspiring younger musicians such as myself. And I had a lot of Sonny's records. I was a big fan of his. I'd seen him play a few times. And my friend called up and said, hey, 
how would you like to take lessons with Sonny Simmons? And I said, I'd love to. So we started doing biweekly lessons in New York, and, um, you know, he was really taken with the fact that I knew all of his material and that um, I was so sort of enthusiastic. He felt, I think, sort of downtrodden and just sort of forgotten. And to find this kid, I mean, I'm 28 years old, but as far as he's concerned, a kid that's that excited about what he, his legacy, I think, inspired him. And so we developed this really close bond. Um, in the, in the, the past five years or so, I've done a lot of commercial video stuff and some film work. So I said, Sonny, uh, you know, it'd be great if we could make a documentary about you, if you'd be interested. And he said, yeah, I'd love that. There's already been a couple of other ones made, but they're not really um, accessible. They're not, you know, digitized, and they showed it here and there at festivals in the past. But at any rate, um, this summer uh, we got together, and Mike Urquini and I, who's an old friend from high school, we began this process of filming Sunny, and then we really, um, the footage in the film is really called together from two days this summer. But that's how it all went down. Yeah, it's it's really incredible because, um, and first of all, and of course this will be linked at thejazzsession.com, but the website is justaguywhonows.com, which is the, the title of the film. It's incredible to uh, to watch because he is so uh, just kind of magnetic. I mean, he's such a presence uh, in the film, both a physical presence uh, and what he everything he says just, I mean, it sounds like you should just be following him around writing down you know his speech, and obviously I know it's it's edited together and that kind of thing. But I mean, he just he seems like such a such a grounded human being, and and just so present in the film. Is that the experience uh, you know that you had while you were while you've been speaking with him and getting to know? Him? Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. Is you know I met him and he was just such a sweetheart, you know, as a human being. And of course, everything he says is a gem. I mean, it, it's ridiculous the number of it's like everything he says is, is quotable. I mean, it's incredible. I'd never met anyone like that in my life. And he, not this is to say nothing of, of his musicianship. I mean, that's obviously a whole other um, realm, which is incredible. But I just felt like he was so charismatic, and he was so sort of char. He, he was he was um, self-deprecating, but also sort of bombastic, and he just had this really unique quality. Like he could just he was always sort of on, but but not. Um, not disillusioned, you know. He he sort of. I think as he's gotten older, he's sort of uh, reflecting a lot more on his artistic legacy. And um, yeah, I just felt like this. You know, I could see why the other films had been made about him. But yeah, that's that's how it happened because I just thought this guy, this this just he's precious. I mean, this ha- his story has to be told and he has to be seen to be believed. So. <laughs> Thank you. 
don't really feel in listening to him like he has a, a fairly honest appraisal of a lot of what happened to him. I mean, it's it's difficult to step outside your life often and, and kind of assess where things took whatever turns they took. But he seems to have a, you know, kind of a reasonably honest look at how things went. And he he doesn't seem to sugarcoat anything in the in the film, at least in the uh, the trailer that's been assembled so far. He, I think he, I think that's what he has been doing in the past. You know, I've of course less than, known him for less than a year, but I've seen footage of him from nine or ten years ago, and I've heard from friends and other people that know him that he used to be sort of much less reflective. And I think um, he does take full responsibility for maybe mistakes that he things that he turns he took in his life that he may have considered now to be a mistake. But, um, you know, he did he did have a, a tumultuous life. There's a lot of things that he endured that were really out of his hands. And, um, you know, it's sort of a cliche, the tragic story of uh, the jazz man, but he really lived it. Plus, his connection to all of these sort of household name jazz greats. You know, he really exists. I wouldn't say he exists in a time in a time warp, but he recalls so vividly that whole time period, and he sort of integrated his being into that, and so he sort of become the the myth, you know. talk a little bit about the actual uh, making of the film. So far, there's a, a 20-minute film. Um, if you go to justaguywhoknows.com, you'll see a short trailer, and then it's there's a, a link where you can you can contact Dan and Mike and get access to a longer one. Uh, can you talk about just the what it costs to make a documentary like you're hoping to make? And I know you're you're raising funds to do that now. Basically, it's Sunny telling you know, like I said, that that was called together from two days of footage, and we got really lucky with the lighting and the weather and um, he was very enthusiastic about the whole process and basically what we're trying to do is something much more involved which is to say get concert footage of him um, potentially go uh, on a couple of trips with him maybe abroad maybe to to Paris and France where he's really um, held in high esteem Um, and of course we're trying to get him amply compensated for all of this because although he's enthusiastic to take part in it and like I said to sort of uh, have his story told he is an elder gentleman and you know he really needs I think the sort of like monetary respect Um, so we're trying to raise a lot of funds in order to basically give him what he deserves and then of course we have a lot of operating expenses for travel for equipment basically we're doing everything out of pocket up till now um and so like i said because i already had the video uh, production company we had some of the equipment and we had locations scouted where we were filming him but we're at the point now where we can't really proceed any further without some serious funding so we we have a you know we're we're non-profit and um So we're taking donations through the the website for the production company. But as, as far as the filming on the actual day, I mean, we basically, you know, we directed, we had a lot of questions for him, 
and we we had tried to sort of optimize our time with him. So we knew if he went started talking about one aspect of his life that we would continue in that vein and ask him about this. And because his his story has been told in, in fragments. But, um, you know, his bio is out there, and there's, like I said, there's the other films, there's a huge biography about him that's been written that's actually hasn't been published yet. So the information's out there, but to have him tell it and to sort of have him tell it in a way where we could then assemble it in a, in a linear fashion, um, knowing that we were going to make a short documentary that, if, if it you know worked out and based on the strength of that we could get funding, we'd then expand it to something that was sort of more cohesive. I we don't have any intentions to. I think the the hope is to turn it into something that's about forty five minutes long, so that it's still um, technically a short and thereby um, admissible at at film festivals as a short documentary. Because um, I don't know how well it would fare just because of the subject matter as a feature. But we're hoping that if we can turn it into like a forty or forty five minute short that we can then submit it to some festivals. Because, again, his story is not just out of some free jazz musician that you may or probably haven't heard of to the layperson, but the fact is that he's this older guy and he's reflecting on his the life of an artist, and that's got universal appeal. So, And like, like I said, just him just being so charming and uh, you know, really captivating, I think that it transcends his art form. Yeah, I think it would be very hard for anyone to watch the footage you've already got and not think, oh, wow, I'd really like more yeah. than there is. So, well, thank you. <laughs> Dan, is there, a, is there a budget to bring this project home? We're trying to raise somewhere um, in the realm of twenty-five dollars or $30,000, and um, a lot of that is travel costs. Some, we're going to have to buy rights to some of his um, music, and then, um, you know, there's... Uh, that's basically the ballpark. Um, that seems but, like a ridiculously small number. I'm I mean, I, I get that when you're trying to raise it, that seems like a lot of money, but I mean, in the world of 
you know, making a film. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's that's the lunch for the you know that for the staff on one day of a, a shoot, you know, in like in Hollywood. Right. But for us, it's a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, have you uh, have you approached? Uh, I'm sure you've done all these things. Have you approached foundations that support the arts and to try to see if someone would? Yeah, we have. Um, we have a number of foundations interested. We have um, been receiving donations from fans of his and um, people that, that know us that uh, that are friends of ours personally that are interested in the film. But we have some um, some big time donors that have uh, committed themselves to it. Um, nothing, you know. We have things here and there. I can't really comment on that specifically, but um, we have a lot of people that are interested, and I think a lot of people that, like you said see the footage and they want more of it and they look past the fact that they may have never even heard of him. Dan, so, are there are there other musicians uh, who've commented to you about the work that you're doing with Sonny? Well, Bobby Zankel, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. I am, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, he, um, he's but sort tell, of a But tell other people who he is, just in case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he, he um, Bobby's a great, great alto player. He plays in Cecil Taylor's band, of course, and... Um, I play in his ensemble in Philadelphia, Bobby's Ankle and the Warriors of the Wonderful Sound. He's been a mentor to me for the past few years. I showed him the film, and he really appreciated it. And he had a unique perspective because he sort of sees, not through, there's nothing to see through, but he sees past, like I was saying, he sees past this sort of cliche of the, the, uh, the tragic life of the jazz man. And he's talking, he was really interested in, specifically what Sonny was playing, and he just kept saying, man, he plays so beautifully, he plays so beautifully. And that's the other thing about the film and about uh, the whole process is that although it is a documentary and we want it to be, hopefully, if everything comes to fruition, it will be, like I said, more cohesive and it will be paint a more uh, rounded picture of him in sort of true documentary fashion. But we don't intend to do anything to the effect of Sonny Simmons was born in 1933 in Sicily, uh, Island, Louisiana. And that thing, with all due respect to Ken Burns, I love that. Stuff, but it's more like um, it's more like vignettes, and sort of his playing can tie all the stuff together. And I'm just struck by just you know, as, as an alto player and as, as his student and as a student of jazz, just some of the things he played, I was just really moved. And to me, it's great just being able to merge, you know film and music and have him do this stuff. Just, his music is just so potent. Now that's that's absolutely the truth. The uh, the film is called Just a Guy Who Knows, and uh, that's the website, justaguywhoknows.com. Uh, my guest is Dan Schofield. He and Mike Ercolini are making the movie. And uh, Dan, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to, to watch this. I've watched it many times since uh, I got the link to the full version. And I encourage people to, to support it if they can. I'm, I'm supporting it in my tiny little way. And if you have a tiny or large way to support it, I encourage you to do that because uh, we need to document folks like, like Sonny. Dan, thanks for what you're doing and I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it as well.
That's Sonny Simmons, thanks to Dan Schofield, working on the documentary project Just a Guy Who Knows about Sonny's life. You can find out more at justaguywhoknows.com. You've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free anytime you want it at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. If you want to keep in touch with the show, there's a mailing list and a Facebook group. I wouldn't join both because they're pretty much identical, but I would join one or the other if I were you. You can find the mailing list at thejazzsession.com. There's a link for mailing list right along the top. And if you're on Facebook, just type in The Jazz Session into the Facebook search box, and it will pop the group up, and you can join. In either case, you will get one email each Monday morning letting you know who's on the show for the next couple of weeks and giving you some other interesting jazz news and links uh, that you might want to peruse. My thanks to the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com, but forget online, you can go see him in person at Le Poisson Rouge on January 12th. Opening for them will be Ethan Iverson of The Bad Plus. Find out all the details at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed all the graphics for the jazz session. Most importantly, thank you for stopping by again and again to listen to shows. If this is your first time, welcome. And if you're a return listener, thanks so much. And why not tell a friend? Don't forget, go out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.